Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I am Austin Wilson, research analyst with Hickson Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, director of financial planning at Hickson Zerker Capital Management. Austin? Yes. How could people help us with this podcast? Well, we would love it. If you would subscribe, if you're not subscribed already, we drop new episodes every single Thursday on a variety of financial planning and financial literacy and market stock, bond, ETF, mutual fund topics that you need to know. So subscribe if you're not subscribed on whatever platform you use. And we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on all of them. So today, Josh, yes, we're going to be discussing what is going on in this crazy stock market world we're living in today because, you know, it's been a lot. It's a lot. Not just the stock market, but Pretty much globally, investing has been a little bit different of an experience than we've had in the last couple of years. And we're going to describe why. Yes. So let's just start with some facts. Start with facts. facts I love numbers. Start with. I love facts. So this is year-to-date. This is through we'll mid-April. Midway, midway through April. Midway yep. through April. Uh, the S&P 500, so think U.S. large-cap stocks, yep. down 17%. Yep. NASDAQ, so think tech stocks, down 25%. Mm. Bonds, down 9.5%. Wow. International stocks, so developed international, down 15.7. Emerging market stocks down 17.4. Bitcoin down 35%. Ooh. And cash up 0.1%. Positive. All right. 0.1%. So cash is positive. That's where everybody should put their money. Correct? Yes, no. Oh. I'm going to flip on that real quick because if inflation is 8.3% year over year, as we just saw for the month of April. Yep. You have to really net that against your other returns to get your real returns, and therefore everything is negative, and the negative things are more negative. Yes. So your purchasing power is lost. Yes. And not only is your lost purchasing power, so your cash return of positive 0.1% is now negative 0.82%. The difference, though, is recovery ability. Exactly. Can cash actually have that recovery ability to gain back? Probably not. Probably not. But can some of these other assets? We will find out. We are going to find out. So, Josh, yeah. talk about a little bit yes. why this seems especially rough for investors yeah. now. Yeah. So, you know, things do look rough. And um, there's really not many places you can go in the investment world that are positive this year. Uh, we talked through, you just listed kind of the, the high Almost level. Almost everything. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there's subsectors of some of those, you know. Maybe your floating rate bond funds are doing well because they adjust their rates as things go. But in general, this is kind of unprecedented Mm -hmm. in what's happened, but also it's similar to past events, which is funny to say both of those. Right. It seems seems unprecedented in current times. However, looking back more historically, we do need to keep in the back of our Mm -hmm. minds that the U.S. stock market is positive 75% of years. So that means... One out of every four years has actually historically been negative for stocks. Yep. Now, we've been talking off the record here that since you started investing, definitely yep. since I've started investing, mm-hmm. a lot of people investing time horizons yep. have seen a lot less than one out of four years down. Yep. So if we look just past yeah. the last 20 years, the stock market from an annual standpoint, so yep. if we just look at calendar, calendar year years, returns, yep, has only been negative four of the past 20 years. And so you know, if we go back all the way to 2002, all the way up through 
2021, if we take mm-hmm. all those years, you got 2002 was a negative year. Yep. 08 was a negative year. Yep. Yeah, 2011 was a negative year in 2018. Yep. Absolutely. That's and then not you say, a lot. What, what about COVID? Yeah, well, the market posi- dropped 34%, yeah. but and guess what? The market positive ended positive year. that year. Actually, uh, a really good year. Yes, it was. Um, so roughly, just in those time frames, you know, you got four years of negative returns, one of which was pretty bad, 08, yeah. 09. Yeah. You know, we always reference that. 09 was actually a positive year calendar-wise. The beginning of it was a little rough, and the end of 2007 was rough, the whole time frame. But the one calendar year that was negative, it was right. down pretty good, yeah. 38% or something like that. But... In general, we've had a pretty smooth ride the last 20 years, yeah. relatively speaking. The last negative year we had was 2018, like I said. That was down 6%. Yeah, that was the taper tantrum. Yes. So and we that, actually had a decent year going into December. Yeah, I think November then, was when we really saw it tail. And from there to the end of the year, it dropped 18%. So we were positive there by, what, 12%. And then we lost. It was ugly. It was, it was rough. <laughs> but the crazy thing was early part of... 2019, it was positive again. It had a swing the other direction. So most young investors, there's been little downside really since 2008. Oh yeah, um, just two years in that time frame. Mm -hmm. Neither of those double digits. Absolutely. So yeah, really, what this does is it leads to us getting this false sense, maybe of yes, it's bad, but this is unusual. What we're experiencing right now, when it's really not that abnormal to have a negative year, right? So that, that makes it feel worse probably than it actually is. Yes. So the question is, Josh, Yes, is this time different? Is this time different? Yes. The answer is yes. This time is different. Of course it is. Every day is different Every than the last day. Every day is different. But there are a lot of similar events to past events. So we always like to say history does not repeat itself, yep. but it rhymes. It sure does. You know? And so that means that we can see some similarities to past events when we're looking at things going on today. Yeah. This is not the first time we've had wars and geopolitical risks going on and uncertainty. This is not the first time we've had supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time we've had high inflation. Or oil prices. Not the first time we've had oil issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, The 70s marked high inflation and oil shortages. Yep. And so there are things we can look back on historically. Yes, this time is different. Yes, there are different circumstances and different things going on. But to the positive end, this time is different. We have technology and we've had advancements since the last time. So, Austin, again, you're, you're my stat guy. Number guy. You love the, the numbers. Give me some historical stuff that we can compare to. So, if we think about a drawdown, what a drawdown is, a drawdown is really any sizable movement from a, we're going to use an all-time or recent high. Mm-hmm. So, a drawdown would be a drop from that. So, on average, since 1946, there has been an 11% drawdown in the stock market on average every single year. Now, that means some have been less and some have been more, but on average, 11. And if you move that up to since 1980, that's actually about 14%. So an 11 to 14% drawdown, at least once per year, is completely normal. So I guess another thing that is happening this year that makes things a little bit different is that we have midterms. Yes, and it's also similar because that happens every every four four years. years. Yep. So we have midterms. So that means, yeah, one out of every four years is going to be a midterm year. So three out of every four years is not going to be a midterm year. Mm -hmm. Those ratios seem similar to the ones we just talked about. It's not not a, every midterm year is a no, down year. No, exactly. But the performance of the stock market has been remarkably different in midterm years and non-midterm years. So since 1946, the average drawdown in a midterm year, that's 17%. Ooh. So that's actually, yeah. that's over the same time period, that's 6% worse per midterm year than we saw over other years. Yes. So 
17% drawdown since 1946. Average drawdown in midterm years. Average performance mm-hmm. for, for the, the stock market as a whole on average is 9% for all years going back to 1946 and 10% for non-midterm years. But if you just look at the midterm years, so there's mm-hmm. one out of every four, it's only 5%. Wow. So that's a lot worse. It is. That's like half. Yep. For a non-midterm year versus a midterm year. It is actually half, yes. And if we go down to a bear market. So thus far, as we're sitting here recording this in mid-April, mm-hmm. the S&P 500 got within a couple percent, but yes. never crossed into official closing bear market territory. The last time that happened was during COVID. Mm-hmm. The average bear market, or 20% drawdown, we've had 12 mm-hmm. since 1946 on a closing basis. There's different ways to look at it, but everyone looks at it a little bit differently. We're talking closing. Yep. The average has actually been about 30% and takes more than two years to recover. Okay. Now, you know, you said 12. Some people will say 14 because you round some. I think 2011 yeah, didn't officially hit bear market. It was like 19%. Yeah, 2018, 2018 didn't either. But either way, um, in general, 30% drawdown is the average. takes about two years to recover from that. Yep. Now, we hit a bear market in 2020, and we had recovered before the end of the year. <laughs> right. It took us a couple months to recover from yes. that. So averages are averages. Um, good to know. All right. So, Austin. Yeah. Things are crazy. They we are. just talked about that. Markets are down. Um, on top of the markets being down, yep. what else is going on? I mean, I've seen some reports. Consumers are not feeling good about no, it. No, they're not. So they're, in fact, most consumers are actually feeling worse than they were in the middle of the COVID lockdowns in 2020. Worst actually since the re- coming out of the global financial crisis, yes. which is pretty bad on a consumer confidence level. And why is that is the question of yeah. the year? Well, first, this is tracked couple different ways, but yeah. they, it really is done by surveys. Correct. Um, and there's quite a few that have been around for a while that you can use kind of a, a good reference point. Yeah, the um, most common ones, the University of Michigan Sentiment Index. Yep. And so they just ask people, and they consistently right. do the same, and they look for different income brackets, different groups of people. Yep. So they get a, a pretty good feel for the general uh, consumer. So right, why are yes. people feeling unconfident, I guess? And uh, one reason is that inflation is really high. We mm-hmm. just said 8.3%, which is actually... Lower than it was in 8.5 in March, but the highest inflation levels we've seen in 40 years. So food, energy, goods, services, everything across the board is costing more. And that's coming directly out of their budget because while wages have gone up, wages are not going up as much as inflation is. So we would say that you would have negative real earnings then because your budget is costing you more than your earning increase goes. Yes. So not good. That usually leads to poor sentiment. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that lower income people they typically are having a bigger impact to this inflation as food and energy have bigger pieces of their overall budget. So they're spending more as a proportion of their income on groceries and energy or fuel or gas or whatever that would be than people who earn more money. So that's even worse on sentiment. So the average consumer spends about 12% of food and energy on their budget. But when we look at the lower income, that's over 20% of their budget. So yeah, you're right. They feel that more with that inflation. Absolutely. Another thing is that rates are going up. Mm-hmm. So we've seen interest rates go up across the board. Yes. But a lot of the short end of the interest rate moves have been because of the Federal Reserve moving mm-hmm. interest rates up to slow down inflation. And then all really interest rates from there have moved up as well. It just kind of on the same phase there, you know, just it's, yep. it's, a, it's an inflation metric at that mm-hmm. point. So what that is also causing is higher mortgage rates. So I remember that about a year ago, the mortgage rate on the Fixed 30-year mortgage on average was three or so percent, mm-hmm. three, five, three, 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 five. Pretty good. Pretty mm-hmm. realistic. Yeah. Now that's already five and a half percent. Yep. 
and that has moved very sharply since the beginning of the year. So mortgages are costing more. Home prices are up 20% year over year. Yep. So that part of inflation metrics is is definitely crimping people as well. So those parts of inflation are keeping consumer sentiment down, but then you have to layer on things like geopolitical issues, like mm-hmm. Russia invaded Ukraine, and that's not good. That's yes. put pressure on food and energy markets around the world. Yep further exacerbating the supply chain issues and the inflation issues that we're having. So here we are. All of this together yep. leads to a consumer that isn't necessarily feeling the most confident. Yep. So Josh. Yes. Dad joke of the week. Yep. This is the first one that popped up on our slash dad jokes when I got in. On Reddit. We love it. Joke. Reddit, our slash dad jokes. This is hilarious. It actually made me LOL. LOL. So what is heavier? A ton of steel. Or a ton of feathers. Well, I know from those jokes, they, they weigh the same. I, I know that you know the logical yes, answer. but that's probably not right. It's not. It's the feathers, because you also have to carry the burden of what you did to all those poor birds. Oh, that's true. That would be, <laughs> yeah, mentally it is probably a lot heavier. So that is the dad nice. joke of like the week. It. But Josh, yes. we kind of left on a little bit of a somber note. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the consumer's feeling bad, markets are down. What should an investor do? Yeah. So as a financial advisor, you know, you got to always think back to the long term, right? As an advisor, I'm always coaching people that, you know, the short term movement of the stock market is not as important as having those long term goals. Yep. So review your goals, make sure your timeframes are still correct. Do you need to make any slight adjustments to that uh, along the way? Look at your holdings, not because you're panic selling or anything. Oh, but yeah. Is there opportunities? So mm-hmm. if you have taxable accounts, is there tax loss harvesting, things you could do to reduce your taxes at the end of the year. But this is not is an opportunity to sell things when they're down. Nope. You're this replacing is not necessarily that something that. different. Yes, exactly. Yep. And then look at your investments. Mm-hmm. Is there a new opportunity? Was there something that was too expensive that because everything that's happened is now in a price that you think is worth buying it? There are a lot of companies yep. out there that are down 50 plus percent. Yep. So that's attractive. That's it. So as an advisor, it's always long-term. Know the why, and that will help you get through these volatile time frames. Absolutely. All right. So there's a lot to be concerned about. True. I kind of gave you the long term from a financial planning standpoint. Yeah, that was really high level. Yeah. But <laughs> what do you think from just standpoint from looking around? You look closer at the yeah. economy and the market than I do. What are some things you are optimistic about? <laughs> well, it sounds counterintuitive. Yes. But consumers are really bearish. Yep. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they're not optimistic. They're lost been a long time. Investors are really bearish. Yep. Investors are the bearish they've been in some time. And that sounds awful, right? It it sounds bad. But actually, call a contrarian indicator, meaning it goes against what you would think logically, Mm -hmm. meaning that when people get this not optimistic about the stock market, it actually means that they're desperate and they've gotten down to that level where they're just sad about it. And it leads to really good returns from going forward. Historically speaking, it's not a guarantee, but historically speaking, when investors are this bearish, it is a good thing for stocks in the next 12 months or beyond. You explain that makes a lot of sense because when I hear the word contrarian, I think of place to store fish. Contrarian. I think that's aquarium. So <laughs> aquarium. I always mix those two up. I, I don't know why, but good to know that yeah. means opposite it's of the opposite direction. of okay. what you would think. Uh, another go. indicator that leaves me a little bullish right now is mm-hmm. that nearly this is also kind of contrarian, but okay. nearly half of NASDAQ, so I think more tech oriented mm-hmm. stocks, are down fifty percent from all time highs. So this is Again, it sounds bad, mm-hmm. but this means that that part of the market, the technology-driven, more growth-oriented part of the market, a lot of the what I would call froth 
of valuations has been kind of sold off. So they're trading back down to more reasonable price-to-earnings ratios or whatever, um, which is really good and healthy for the market. Another thing that I'm looking at is corporate earnings, and they continue to be pretty strong. And a lot of what this is is corporations are able to – first of all, they're getting inflation on their costs, Yes. sometimes even higher than they were able to pass along. But they're at least able to pass along price increases, which from a consumer standpoint isn't the most fun. But from a stock market standpoint, they're still able to do that. Earnings are coming through as expected and really strong. So that's bullish. Good. Job market obviously continues to remain great, maybe to the point of too good. 3.6% unemployment, pretty much where we were pre-COVID levels. There are twice as many jobs almost as there are people unemployed at this point, And that's causing a lot of heat in the labor market in terms of costs. But in general, job market pretty strong. And another one that we already kind of mentioned is that inflation may have peaked. So in April, it came in at 8.3%. March was 8.5%. We may be in the point where that has started to slow down in terms of a year-over-year increase. And obviously, the Federal Reserve is still reacting to that, but it is cooling off. And that's something we're excited about. Not necessarily for the short term is going to be choppy because you could have a month where it's a little bit more or a little bit less, but the trend is what matters here. And that's what we're watching. So there are reasons to be optimistic right now, especially if you're a long-term investor. If you're a long-term investor, you should be looking at what is going on as an opportunity. Yes. Speaking of that, so if you are an investor who's been worried about this volatility, you open up your account, you're like, man, it's lower than the last time I looked. And every time it feels that way Mm -hmm. all year long, something to keep in mind is that if you're adding to your portfolio, which is, you know, if you have a 401k and you're having your contributions taken out of paycheck, or you have set up an automatic contribution every month or twice a month or whatever into your Roth IRA, wherever it's going, keep this in mind, that downturns are the best thing to happen to anybody adding new money in consistently. All right. Yeah. So let me give you an example. All right. Easy numbers for me. If you're adding $100 a month mm-hmm. into your account, doesn't matter what it is, and you're buying an investment, and doesn't matter what it is, and it costs $10 to buy that investment per share, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. So I could buy 10 shares. 10 times 10 is 100. I can do that math. It works. All right. So let's say you mentioned the NASDAQ is down 50%. So let's say whatever you are investing is also down 50%. So now it's $5 per share for whatever that investment is. Yeah. I still got my $100 I'm adding every month. Yep. Now I can buy 20 shares with that $100. Oh, that's a deal. Because again, it's they're half the cost. Mm-hmm. So most people will look at that and say, man, look at my value went down by 50%. Look at the shares you bought. But if you're adding mm-hmm. new money, you're saying, I'm buying twice as many shares with the same dollars. And if and when the market recovers, this hypothetical investment, let's say it does as well, then it goes back up and continues to rise over the long time like stocks historically have done. You have more shares participating in that growth. Right. There's a cool term for that. It's called dollar cost averaging, meaning Mm. you're averaging in over a set period of time as the price moves around. It's a great way to invest. It actually mutes your downside. Yep. It gives you a better long-term average uh, because of what that does over the long run. I mean, it's just the same principle. If you're going to the store with your $100 yep. of, of grocery budget yep. and there's a sale, yep. maybe you'll you buy more. a little extra. Of, you could spend the same $100 mm-hmm. and get more food, yep. take it home, put it in your freezer. Yep. And then you're better off when prices go up or whatever. Yep. So there you go. Yep. So just keep that in mind that the best time to be adding money is now. Is, is now. And that's the, because if you have time ahead, compounding is huge. We've talked about that. One of the greatest things in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so give your time, give your money time to compound. Absolutely. So, well, hopefully, we hopefully this episode gave you a little bit of comfort as to what's going on. I mean, 
Josh and I want you guys to know that we are in the markets feeling this with you because it's not fun for us either. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty going on. Our accounts are down like everyone else's are, but we understand and hopefully can illustrate to you some reasons why we think it's going to be okay. We think it's going to be okay and we think you should be able to sleep at night. So thank you for listening. If you like this episode, share it with friends, share it with family. Maybe your friends are your family. Maybe your family is your friends. I don't know. Share it with them. Maybe they'll get a kick out of it too, but maybe you have someone who's kind of asking, oh man, should I sell everything? Everything just keeps out. going down. I'm stressed out. And hopefully this can give them some encouragement there. We, again, also would love it if you would subscribe and leave us reviews on whatever platform you're listening on. And until next Thursday, have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.